Welcome to the Hunters and Unicorns 2020 Mastery Mission. Essential listening for sales professionals on the quest for mastery. Shorter episodes, huge impact. The 2020 Mastery Mission is sponsored by SOAP, the global recruitment partner for the Playbook community. Are you on the mission? Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns, the 2020 Mastery Mission. 20 topics, 20 guests for 20 minutes. We're here to unlock the tribal wisdom from the legends of tech sales to help you get one step closer to mastery. I'm Simon Kutis and I'm joined by my co-host, Oli Kune. Welcome to the show, everyone. And we are absolutely delighted to welcome Espen Shovik. Espen, welcome to the show. Thanks, pleasure to be here. Welcome to the show, Espen. In the way of an introduction, Espen, you are currently Senior Regional Vice President for Northern Europe at Zscaler. And quite an interesting journey uh, and quite an interesting beginning. So having finished uh, business school, you went on to get a sales position at Gartner. And that was a really important time in your career because one of your mentors probably gave you some of the most career-defining advice that you could ever ask for, which was go and find a company and a mentor that can teach you a proven, repeatable playbook and learn as much as you can. And that obviously led you to Bizarre Voice, where you uh, worked with uh, Tibort. Beyond that, you then went on to AppD, where you like with the likes of McCluskey, Jeremy Duggan, Mark Pete, Izzy. Beyond that, you then went to CyberReason, uh, Andy Byron, Chris Vick, and obviously John McMahon. And then now at Zscaler with many of the AppD team, the likes of Mark Pete, Izzy, Dali. So it's an incredible, incredible career and obviously you've been indoctrinated in the playbook community and had some incredible incredible success so no doubt you look very fondly on that opportunity in that past absolutely i think you know the most important advice that i was ever given was to have this playbook to be within because without it you know i'd have to invent everything myself Uh, but with it i think it's propelled at least my success forward and many others with me yeah absolutely and Today, we're talking about a really, really interesting topic. It's a topic which is the foundations. It's a really core part of of the playbook. We have 20 minutes. Can you please introduce your topic? The topic is champions. Um, In every deal, there's a champion. You either know that you have one or you don't. And it's extremely uncomfortable when you don't because you don't know if you're winning or not. I absolutely love this subject and um, one I'm sure our listeners are going to find really, really interesting. Um, so Espen, you know, why is it so important to have a champion? I think the, for me personally, the, it all starts with finding someone who wants to solve the problem, whichever problem you're there to solve. You're not going to sell a SaaS solution and a big deal unless there's a big problem and someone who cares about that problem and wants to solve the problem. Uh, for the organization or for themselves or, you know, for the greater good, whatever that might be. Someone needs to actually be the change agent within the company that you're selling to. Incredible. And, and what if you don't have a champion then? I guess there's early on, if you don't have a champion, you can always still go hunting for one and you should spend all your time trying to identify one, trying to, you know, do research and trying to figure out who may your champion be. And you need to put all your attention to picking the right champion 
And don't just allow yourself to be led down a sales process by someone who happens to have time or someone who picks you. Uh, because what happens then is that you spend weeks and months and maybe even longer progressing a deal only to realize when you're about to, you know, get into a closing stage that, hey, I don't really have anyone fighting for my deal. Or there might be another another person in the company that's stronger than my champion, maybe a competitive champion or somebody else who has a different agenda. And then you wasted a lot of time. So what do you think are the common symptoms that are seen when people don't have the champion building mindset of, of understanding this concept? What tends to happen? Uh, what, what would a salesperson experience as a consequence of, of not having this switched on? Well, I think it's... A, some people have it very natural, and I think it comes with start really caring for solving a problem. You need to be extremely convinced that you can bring value and solve the problem for the company and then find someone who also cares about solving that problem for the company. If you're only there to sell something, you may or may not get lucky, but it's going to be a transactional relationship, probably no transformational deal. You're probably not going to get a seven-digit transaction out of it um, if you're operating in that space. But what you do when you when you work to, you know, you're convinced, you want to find a champion who's equally convinced that you're the right person and the right solution to make it happen, then you have someone on the inside who's fighting for your deal equally hard as you are, and they can feel that you care about solving the problem for them and for the company. So they will gravitate towards you if you have that level of conviction. Some people, like I said, have it natural. Not everyone has it natural, but thankfully there are some steps that you can learn in order to, you know, train the skill because it's a muscle like everything else. And when you can consistently execute this and, and, and really go identify, build champions, what impact will that have on someone's career? I think most enterprise sellers that are successful, if they look back, they can, you know, men, they can name a lot of the key champions they've had in their deals. And they can name champions that have helped change and shape their own trajectory, their own deals, because their own careers. Because sometimes when you look back, you go back and you realize that one deal that happened, this person who made it happen together with me had such an impact. I have a few of those myself where I sometimes call them and say thank you for you know the impact that they made on me and I know that I made on them as well. Within your playbook, obviously the champion is a very central concept. It's not a figure because there can be multiple champions and different types of champions. But there are some, some key steps that you, you, you tend to follow when it, when it comes to, to building champions. And, and one of the first steps within that process is obviously identifying a champion. So tell us about the process of identifying a champion. Where do you start? I think it's, you start with trying to understand, um, first of all, who are you meeting? In, let's say you have a new business meeting. Who are you meeting? What's their agenda? What do they think about company, you know, the company strategy, the big strategic initiatives that are being owned by, let's say you're selling to the IT department. So the big initiatives that are being owned by the CIO, what's their role in driving these initiatives? Do they care about the success of these initiatives? Like what's basically on their agenda? That's one way. But prior to actually being in the meeting with these people, you can you know use social uh, research, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all these kind of sources. But let's take LinkedIn as an example, where you can see if someone's getting promoted frequently, they have a path uh, of you know frequent promotions and achievements. They're talking about projects that they've successfully delivered. They may even be talking about their mandate in their role. Like those types of words are good clues that you're working with someone who wants to get something done. I suppose it's quite easy for you to stay in that comfort zone, you know, to, to really kind of convince yourself 
I know you gave an example, but what are the different ways for you to really know that you're not in the comfort zone and, and what can you do about that? Multiple things, but let me give you one example. Maybe that's, you know, looking at what have people, what's their track record of having introduced something similar into the company in the past? Uh, what's their, you know, what's their standing, you know, like I mentioned with the, with the wider ecosystem, like what's their point of view on the other players that also get things done within the company? Um, but I think the most powerful thing, if you're in doubt if someone is a champion, yes or no, it's to look for either have they done something similar in the past? For example, have they bought a solution of similar uh, magnitude, similar level of change, uh, interacted with other stakeholders, similar dollar value? That's a good proof, I think, for to understand if, if you're onto someone with power and, and influence. And then at some point early on, you're going to have to explain to the champion that in other deals, of, you know, in other situations, when a company has a problem like yours, we typically work with one person who you know wants to solve that problem. And I'm wondering, like, if, if that's you, you can be that direct early on, and then they might tell you, you know, you're crazy. It's not me. Or they tell you, not yet, but we need to spend some more time. Or they tell you, hey, I'm looking at something else. Maybe you just found the competitor's champion. This is kind of part of the next step of that, which is really building that relationship with the potential champion and at this stage you probably don't know whether they are or they're not but there's that kind of courting process so tell us a little bit about that that build phase yeah i think when it comes to building a champion and coming back to the beginning a little bit it's about you know really caring for helping that other person to solve the problem and you have to arm your champion with we typically use something that we call the three whys we sometimes refer to the three whys as a joint project document Essentially, we're doing the champions work for them by summarizing the problem that they're trying to solve. So like the why anything. Um, and then you're summarizing, you know, what's a good way of solving this problem? Like what are the what are the use cases that you need to think about? And what are the decision criteria that you should consider looking at? And then also we start already volunteering a go live plan for when the problem should be solved by. So three elements, you know, you, many different formats that exist, but we refer to them as the three whys. Uh, and during that process of building a champion, you know, you're coming back to them the first time, maybe right after a meeting, you can pick up the phone and say, hey, you, we spoke about this problem. I really, you know, it sounds like this is really a big problem. Do we agree? Like, do you agree that this is a big problem that needs to get solved? And are, you, are we going to work together to get this one solved? It could be something as basic as that. It could be other things as well. But that's one good way of, first of all, testing and then moving straight into or testing if they are willing to work with you and then building them through the process of, you know, enriching that document and building collateral for them, sharing collateral back with them. Oh, sorry. I was just about to jump in just for clarity there. The three whys are why us, why now, why something, right? Why anything, why, you know, your company and then why now. It's typically how, how I refer to it. So, so obviously in this situation, we, we have to obviously understand that we're, we're manufacturing the three whys. We're in that process of working with them. But at the same time, I suppose one of the challenges is that the economic buyers might have other initiatives that are a priority, right? So taking that into consideration, why is it important for us to understand the, the bigger picture when we're in this kind of building the three why as opposed to someone coming with the three whys? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think a lot of the solutions that are currently being sold, like, you know, subscription solutions, and there's a big consolidation going on in every sector of enterprise software at the moment. So solutions tend to span different silos within the IT organization, or sometimes they cross from business to IT. Um, you need to make sure that you uncover 
and that you bring these different stakeholders closer together around a you know mutual understanding of what the problem is and what a solution may look like. Because otherwise, let's say that you're selling to the head of infrastructure, just to take an example, and then suddenly you know the head of network has a different idea of what the solution looks like, and they have they're championing a competitive solution. So. The three wise, what it does is when you work with your champion and, you know, you go and meet a lot of people and you have a high level of activity in the account, maybe, you know, in an enterprise deal, you might drive 50 or 100 or, or more meetings, right? Um, and you go and meet all these people, you show them like, hey, here's the problem that I've recognized that you need to solve. Like, what's your take on this? Then you bring this together to your champion and then the champion has a better perspective of this problem and you've added value to them in their career and they can then leverage that to go and be, you know, the problem solver for the economic buyer. And another way, just I'm just going to jump straight to it, another way of looking at that, try to understand in terms of, you know, what's your champion's idea of the top priorities of the economic buyer or of the of the company? Most champions with power and influence, they have a point of view on what top priorities are, what needs to get done, in which order things need to get done. And they also have an idea of how to get them done. So if your champion doesn't know what needs to get done or they need to check with someone, you know, that's a red flag or at least an amber flag that you need to go and really think about, is this the right champion? The next step in the process is really testing that. So you can be quite specific and quite prescribed in terms of being constantly analyzing do i have a champion or 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 perhaps something else yeah i mean sometimes people refer to uh champions too early it's like you're calling someone a champion too soon and you stop looking for a champion it's a big problem i think because in the beginning people are an, a potential champion or they, they might be referred to as a coach sometimes they're a person who's friendly but not necessarily power and influence and will to fight on your behalf so what, what I recommend here is early on in the sales process, you're looking for micro commitments. You're looking for, let's say you've identified someone that on paper looks like a champion, you know, looks like a champion and smells like a champion, but you're wondering if they're going to act like a champion. So what you're looking for is the micro commitment is, will they take the next step? Will they, you know, introduce you to a colleague? Will they share, you know, a PowerPoint uh, template from the company so that you can build your free wise on that company's deck? Uh, will they, you know, share specific set of information, for example. But, you know, you have to gauge whether or not you can ask those types of questions early. Um, but micro-commitments and looking for someone who's following through on those commitments is always a good starting point. And then later on, you test them with, you know, more tougher tests, essentially. Like you have a tougher set of tests that you run on the champion later on. But in the beginning, it's just looking for, will they engage? Before we talk about how you actually can then, once you have a champion, use your champion, because I think that's that's obviously the fourth step in, in this process, it'd be really good to understand just a little bit more detail around how you can create that mutual relationship where the champion wants to go and fight on your behalf, because you know they might have the power of influence, the power and influence, but you know why should they go and fight for you? Well, um, it depends a little bit on what they want to achieve, right? So I think it's important to understand, like, what's, why does it matter for them if they solve the problem? Like, is it, are they looking at it from, because it gives them better sleep at night? If you're a security person, for example, and you just want to sleep and not have a phone call in the middle of the night, that might be a big personal win for them. Or if they're looking for their next promotion, or if they're looking to build a, their own brands, it could be different things. Uh, I think it starts with educating them and making that connection between your solution 
and whatever they want to achieve in their career or in their life and every day. Um, and sometimes as vendors, we underestimate how much we can actually give to individuals on the customer side. For example, we can open doors to you know our, our C-suite and executives and leaders on our side. We can connect them to uh, other professionals that are more senior than them in similar or adjacent industries in the same country or in other countries if they want to move their career internationally. Or you can, you know, you can highlight how the great work that they're doing towards the EV and towards a wider set of people on their side or give them a speaking slot at an event, uh, have a run a podcast with them, for example, like this one. There are many things that you can do to help lift someone, not necessarily on a pedestal, but you can lift them up in their career in a way that they can't do without your help. And we have to realize that that's power. Wow. I, I, that, these are obviously the, this is obviously the semantics of, of how you start to leverage your champion to really tip the balance of the deal in your favor. So just tell us a little bit more about that. On one side, when you're educating a champion, you're educating them about your solution, what, what you can do for them and what value you might be able to bring. The other side of the trade is that they educate you about how to sell to them, both from a solution perspective, like what is it that you need to bring to them, but also how do you navigate the company politically, uh, you know, commercially, who are the stakeholders, etc. And I think you can think about, you know, shape, the shaping of the decision criteria and working with your champion and shaping up, like, first of all, if you agree that this is a problem, so why anything? Then what is needed to solve that problem? That's where you really dive into the decision criteria. Working with your champion and really defining what value looks like and why your criteria, why your unique capabilities are uh, uniquely better for them and adds value over and above what any competitive solution can do. That's really, it's almost like playing a game and you're changing the rules so that only one player can win. Ultimately, you want to, you typically know how to compete against your normal competitors, maybe even against all competitors. So you can really place value and educate your champion about your main differentiators and how that's going to make a difference for the company. So, so Espen, as you're navigating the various levels within an organization, obviously different levels might have different criteria or different things that matter to them. And I can't imagine you're going to use the same language or the same value for each of those layers. So how can your champion support you to be able to navigate those steps? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's something that every seller needs to be reminded of on a regular basis. I think if you speak, if you sell to Vito, like if you sell to the top officer, then typically you speak in terms of whatever is in the first three pages of the annual report. You're going to speak in terms of market share and revenue and, and you know, profits, essentially. Uh, that's, you know, the key words that you're going to be talking about. Um, and then if you speak to someone further down, it might be about, you know, integration, consolidation. It could be about, you know, technical features if you're selling a solution that only solves the technical problems. It really depends on your solution. And it depends on who's your typical economic buyer for your solution, who's the typical champion for your solution. Uh, so if you're selling something that impacts the company and something that's transformational, and if you're selling to the IT team, then you're typically going towards the C-suite so, or to the CIO as your EB and sometimes even higher. If that's the case, I think you need to be communicating in a very different way towards the CIO than what you do at, you know, at a, a technician level, regardless of which role that technician has. I think, yeah, that's, it's good to be aware of it, but you also, you need to connect the dots and connect, you know, the technical 
criteria all the way up to the differentiated value and how those particular technical criteria are going to help drive more market share or more profitability. So that connection needs to be clear. And can you ever enter that sales process too high? So do you have to be careful with where you enter or, or, or if you start high, you'll always end up where you need to? What's your thoughts on that? That's a, it's my, one of my favorite topics, I have to say. So I think you can't really enter too high. Um, you can't really enter too high. I think the best place to enter is if you can cold call or you know, if you can talk to the EB first and validate that there is actually in, in this is actually something they care about and then have an, and then not necessarily work if you can work with them great but sometimes or most of the times you don't work with the EB directly they will delegate someone on their team and that's a very good sign that that someone is the person that you need to make your champion because that's the person the EB trusts to solve that problem so i think you can't really start too high but if you, I mean, if you start with the CEO of a massive bank, for example, you're probably not going to get any attention unless, you know, unless you are extremely persistent and stay on for a very long time. So I think there's a little bit of, you know, you need to balance out the how much effort are you going to spend getting that first meeting. Well, and obviously, once you've come from the EB and they've delegated you down to a potential champion, there's work to be done there. And that's the point when you start to align to their personal, professional possibly to make sure that they realize that you're there for them so, so just tell us a little bit about that that initial what are your first steps you've just been kind of you haven't been relegated down but you, you've been pointed in the direction what's what's the mindset of turning them into your champion i think initially you're trying to understand their view on you know on the problem and how they see that situation themselves. Is that something that's also top of their priority list? And try to understand, you know, for how long has it been a problem and what have they tried so far in solving that problem? I think those are good, you know, indicators initially to figure out, is this a brand new thing? Like, is it basically burning and you need to put out the fire? Or is it something that's been going on for a while and now that person has been put in charge because all the others that tried failed? Because if a lot of people tried to solve a problem and failed, you know, typically the person who now gets it is you know looking for a solution and they need to fix it otherwise they know their heads you know their job might be on the line or you know the reputation at least might be on the line you know when we talk about having multiple champions in a business where we're looking at more of a complex sales um, or portfolio how does that all come together can you give us a bit of an insight into into that yeah, there's, you know, there's different schools of thought here. Like some people would say like, oh, you can only really have one champion. Others say you can have multiple champions. I'm a big believer in having multiple champions, but you also don't spread too thin. So like typically you, and again, it comes a little bit down to the size of your deal and what you're actually selling. Uh, if it's something that can be brought, bought with a credit card, it's very different from having something that's a six or seven digits, you know, uh, ACB type of deal. Uh, but I think, Try to think about who could the potential champions be. Like a good, a good exercise in this regard is to look at all the deals in your company that closed maybe the last year and ask the sellers, who was your champion? Look at their title and seniority, et cetera. Try to understand who the champions are. You're going to see that there's going to be 5, 10, 15, 20 different roles. So why would you only go single-threaded on one role? What happens if that person leaves? Let's say you're selling to you know the CISO, for example. Now, let's say there's a security breach, CISO gets fired, now what? You don't want to go only with one person or you know one function. You want to make sure that you spread out a little bit, but then eventually you're going to have to look at and try to understand who's going to take accountability for getting the deal done 
And that's then ultimately who you spend the majority of your time with throughout the deal cycle. Yeah, I think this is a really kind of good place to, to kind of go to your your, your advice for our viewers and our listeners, for, what is it that they should do as a result? You know, what, what steps or what would you advise them to try? I think if you have, a, if you're a current, if you're an individual contributor or a regional director, for example, you have a forecast and you're looking at your deals, I would say, that, you know, a useful exercise is just to list your deal, the size of the deal, the name and title of the champion and compare it also to, you know, the top deals that closed last fiscal in your company, just to get a feel for where are you on the map? Like, are you are your champions at the same level? Are they more senior? Are they more junior? The title doesn't say everything, but it gives you a clear indication on are you, you know, in the right place? Uh, or it can give you an indication of that. Sometimes you see a lot of roles that are too, either too junior or too far down, too technical, for example. And if you have someone who's um, an engineering role, or a technician role or like a manager role and a seven digit deal, then you're probably not working with the right person or you're not coining the right person as a champion. And in fact, what's happening in the background is that person is internally selling to someone else who is the person that should be your champion. So you obviously want to understand that as quickly as possible and, and not mistake your actual champion in the deal for being the EB. So that's something that quite often happens is that you sell to someone and then they refer to this other person as the decision maker, but that other person then also has another, you know, an EB above them. So then you know that your champion is typically one that should be one level higher. I mean, it's great, great insight. And uh, Espen, I think this is a type of topic that we can we can spend so much time talking about. It's, it's, it is a really kind of fundamental kind of center of gravity within within navigating the success of a deal. And, you know, I think it's been really, really great speaking to you because you've, you've really been able to very, very clearly, you know, help us, you know, really start to break down the, the foundations of what is actually quite a, a, a human thing. You know, building champions is about building relationships, but at the same time, it's a bit of a chess game. There are moving parts. You, you do need to be able to kind of know where you are in that process. And, I, and we really thank you for taking the time to, to kind of walk us through that and giving us your, your take on it. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I'm sure our listeners and viewers took lots and lots from that today. Perfect. Thank you. If I, can, if I can make one final comment on the topic, then I'd say you have, you know, early on, before you create an opportunity in your Salesforce or whichever CRM you use, just make sure that you understand that there is a problem to be solved and that you have an identified champion that's willing to work with you on solving the problem. If you if you don't have that, you might end up progressing something, spending a lot of time for something that's either unlikely to close or it won't close in the time frame or the size um, or, you know, with the use of resources that you were anticipating. And let's say now, God forbid, or I don't know if you're lucky, depending on how you see it, if you progress that deal towards the end and you don't have anyone fighting in your corner, it's just going to be a discount game and procurement and somebody else is really going to, to dominate uh, the conversation. So on the contrary, if you have a champion from the beginning, it's like, you know, you're driving somewhere and you have a co-pilot that's guiding you as to where you need to go. So it's a top, top priority when you create a VO, a visible opportunity, you need to make sure that you understand who the champion uh, should be and then have a plan to build them. 
the gift that keeps on giving you, RSB. And thank you so much for those final words. Um, so look, to all our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed the session. If you've liked what you've heard, please, please share and subscribe. But a big thank you to you, Espen, for joining us today. And we look forward to welcoming everybody back for another Mastery Mission soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have you enjoyed the session today? Be sure to let us know how you got on with the tips and please help others discover our series by sharing and liking our content. Are you on the mission? The 2020 Mastery Mission is brought to you by SOAP, the global recruitment partner for the Playbook community. Check out so muchsoap.com for more information.